gonna get started tonight. I know, welcome. So everybody on your table, you should have two very important pieces of paper. The first one is a sign-in sheet. Um, if you haven't filled that out, would you guys do that for me? That way I can just stop your life. I'm just kidding. That way I can just make sure I have your information if you're new. So we can add you to all the things and we can know like what's going on and have information as it comes out. Um, and then also, you should have notes on your table that look like this in a triangle, and that's what we'll be using to go through the lesson tonight. So, the books that you guys have are homework, and they're super simple books. Honestly, it's five days. Each day is just a page, or like a, maybe a page and a half, but we got real crazy. Um, the idea is that I know everybody's got a lot going on, so if you are not into like hours and hours of homework, you can at least do 15 minutes. It shouldn't take you longer than 15 minutes to do the homework. And I do encourage you guys to do it because the things we're going to be talking about this summer are going to be like a little deep. And so we want you to do the internal work that goes along with what we're talking about. And you can do that on your own with the homework, with scripture, with prayer, with all the things. So just encourage you guys to do that. Okay, so the I Am series is about identity and insecurity. And I think as women, the number one thing that comes up as just for me personally, as I've talked to a lot of women over the years has been insecurities or fears or things that we struggle with internally that come from all kinds of sources, all kinds of reasons, but it's a reoccurring issue. And I feel like there's layers of healing. Like you can get to a certain layer of healing and then something maybe a year, two years will spark something new that will come up and we'll have to do another layer of healing. So I just think, you know, let's talk about it again. Right? Because, listen, I can use it. I don't know what y'all, but I can use it. So, as I was praying about this summer, I was like, let's do it. Let's talk about insecurity and identity again. So, I'm going to encourage you guys to be a little bit brave, to be a little bit courageous, because it's going to take some work to dig into the stuff that's underneath. Because we all have this, like, you know, outward-facing face that we like to show people. And we like, I know, for me, I'll talk about me, I like it to look strong. I like my outward-looking face to look like I've got it together. I don't, by the way, don't have it together, just in case anyone was wondering. Um, I like my outward-facing face to look cool, calm, and collected, even if underneath I'm not always cool, calm, and collected. So that's what I like my outward face to feel like to people that are approaching me. But underneath that is sometimes very turbulent. And so I think that might be true for more than just me. And it takes a little bit of courage and a little bit of uh, trust in God and trusting community sometimes to dig into those spaces that we really can't move forward emotionally into our healing unless we're willing to do that. So having said all of that, I'm going to pray and then we're going to talk about identity tonight. Father, um, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for each woman that's here. Thank you for each face. Thank you for each story. Thank you for each heart and soul. Lord, I pray for this summer, I pray for tonight and the coming nights and weeks, that you would do what you want to do in each of us. Lord, I pray for healing for those who need it. Lord, I pray for courage for those who need it. Lord, if there's just some women here who just need a reminder or a refresher of who we are in you, I pray for that. Lord, if you want to call some of us up into more, I pray for that. If you want to call some of us into resting in you, abiding in you, I pray for that. Lord, whatever you want to do in and through us this summer, I ask that you would do it. Lord, help us to be a safe place. Help us to be a place that reflects your heart. And um, help us to be women who want to hear from you and who are courageous and brave. And I ask that in your name. Amen. 
So I'm going to start tonight off by telling you guys a story. This is a true story. I read it on a blog. So of course it's true, it's funny, right? But literally, it is a true story. It's um, a foster adopted mom had a blog. And she told a story about her youngest child and how she came to us. We're going to call this little girl M. So she had spent her foster year, her formative years, from very young, like age zero to about three, um, going from foster home to foster home. And she had a backpack that she would take with her for months on end. And so she would go from house to house, and everywhere she went, this little backpack would go with her, and it was all she had. So she came to Sarah's home, and Sarah and her husband had decided they were going to move into adoption with her, and they were, it was going to be her permanent home, and she had brought her backpack with her. And so Sarah had taken time off. It was like maternity leave. Her, her job or employment let her take time off to bond with them, to help her get settled into the family routines. And that time off came to an end. And Sam was three years old and not ready for pre-K yet, so they were going to put her in daycare. So one morning, she came downstairs, and everybody had their stuff together. The older kids had their backpacks ready for school. The parents had their you know, briefcases or whatever, their work bags packed. And the little backpack was sitting there ready to go with things for daycare, like a snack and a blanket for nap time and things like that. And when she came downstairs and saw that backpack, Sarah says, and lost her mind. She screamed, she unzipped it frantically with little shaking hands. She threw the clothing and the blankets in all directions. She threw her body backward, slamming her head against the linoleum several times. And Sarah said, I was just stunned at the intensity of her fear. And I picked her up and attempted to hold her. And that little backpack, not this one obviously, but this little backpack is just a backpack. But for Em, it represented all of the pain and trauma that she'd been through in her three years of life. After she had been living with them for about a year, they went to a hotel for a break. So they were living in Maine. Maine winters are awful. They're super like wintry and snowy and cold and all the things. They're long. And the plan was just to go to a hotel for a couple nights as a getaway. And they wanted to go, um, go to the hot springs, go to the pool, have a little family getaway. So they explained it as much as they could, using words like fun and family, saying over and over again, we're all going to go, we're all going together, this is going to be a good break. And they pulled into the parking lot, and Em saw the new place, and she immediately began to cry, and like locked her hands around her five-point harness, and she asked, are you leaving me? Is this my home? Are you leaving me? What was little M feeling? She was feeling fear. She had lived most of her young life experiencing and believing that she was going to be abandoned. Even though she was in a home where she was secure, where they were never going to leave her again, she didn't know how to relax and how to receive it and how to recognize it. She didn't know how to trust that she was planted in the middle of a loving family, even though she was part of the family through adoption. She felt like an orphan and acted out of that feeling. And Emma's not alone in her belief systems. As a three-year-old, she reflects what we as adults often do in our relationship with God. We act like we're orphans. We're adopted children of the Most High, but we don't believe that he loves us. We don't trust it. We don't feel secure in it and we don't recognize what is being offered to us. We believe that we have to depend on ourselves, 
that we have to fight for our place, that we have to protect what is ours. And this way of thinking um, spiritually is called the orphan mentality. And in the way of truth often crossing multiple boundaries and multiple areas because it's truth, therapists and psychologists also call it insecure attachment. So I want to define the orphan mentality for you guys first, and then we'll talk about insecure attachment. The first slide. Oh, sorry. The orphan mentality is motivated by fear and hyper-independence, believing that God and others are not trustworthy. An insecure attachment is a relational pattern that causes a person to feel insecure about their relationships with others. It's the same thing. It's basically an idea built on experience that has told us that we can't ever move into trust and safety relationally. It is so interesting because the way that we relate to God and the way that we relate to people is intertwined. It's over and over and over through scripture that those two things go together hand in hand. We all know the two greatest commandments, right? We love God, we love people. Love has a double relationship to God. It's only by loving God that we learn how to love people. And it's only by loving people that we learn what loving God looks like. And how can those two things be true? It's because in loving God, we learn the appropriate way to love people and how to give ourselves sacrificially. In loving people sacrificially, we learn more of what it looks like to reflect the heart of God. And so on your page is a triangle. I want you guys to put God at the top, me on one corner at the bottom, and others at the other corner at the bottom. Because this triangle of relationship is so never-ending. God loves me, God loves others, I love God, I love others. And then hopefully the others are loving God in me as well. In community in the body of Christ. So those things are constantly moving together. And then if one of these falls off or seems to fall off, the triangle feels broken, and that's where that orphan mentality starts to creep back in. The one that breaks the most often is the other's peace, where in the body of Christ, or in my family unit, or in whatever safe relationship I thought I had, if that is broken, then perhaps I feel like that triangle is not really accurate or real, and I can't trust the other's relationship. And then if I can't trust the people of God, maybe I can't trust God either. That happens often. It's something I hear often in people's experience. So fear is the driving motivator behind the orphan mentality. Fear of loss, fear of pain, fear of punishment, this little backpack represented fear to baby M, and a change in environment represented loss. And you can see this dynamic immediately start after sin enters the world. Adam and Eve disobey in Genesis. And then what's the next thing that they do? Does anybody remember? They hide. Exactly. They hide. Because they're afraid and they're ashamed. That orphan mentality immediately takes over. Not only do they hide, not only are they ashamed, they immediately make clothes to themselves. Instead of asking their father 
who has loved them, who has cared for them, who has given them everything they could ever need in the Garden of Delights, instead of going to their loving father for help, they decide to take care of themselves. And so my question as I was processing this is, how do we move past this? It feels almost insurmountable, especially when you're living it, right? Doesn't experience feel like the most real thing in our lives most of the time? Even when, or even emotion, emotion that comes from experience can feel like the most real thing. Even though emotion is not actually a reality, if anyone has ever had a panic attack in this room, you know how real it feels, right? I used to have them when I was 12 years old. And I remember sitting there thinking I was having a heart attack at 12 years old, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And my parents were like taking me to the doctor, and the doctor was like, you're fine. And I was fine. Physically, I was fine, but my emotions and my body felt like I wasn't fine. And that was the most real feeling for me in, that, in those moments as a child. So how do we move past what feels like the most real thing in that moment, driven by fear, and into something that feels safe and secure? I want to look at 1 John 4, which is on your notes. And I'm going to read through it, and I'm going to go back and talk about some of the things that are highlighted. So 1 John 4 is a whole chapter that talks about love. It talks about safety and security. It talks about identity. And this is how it starts. John says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So how does it start? Does our, do we love God? because we bring it to the table? No, it comes from him. So here's the good news, guys. We don't have to generate nothing. We love because he loved first. And so it comes from him. And then it says in verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Do you guys see the triangle working again? No one's ever seen God, but guess what? When we love each other well, we're reflecting God to each other. Verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Whew. Again, we don't have to do anything alone. He's given us his very spirit. And we've seen and testify that the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. John had seen it. John had seen Jesus, and he knew for sure. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know it. And not only do we know it, we rely on it. When times get tough, we rely on that. When things don't feel really right, we rely on that. When we're trying to make it through a season, we rely on that love. We rely on the safety of the relationship that we have in God. It continues, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 18 is the anchor verse for this talk tonight, you guys. Because this is the answer. This is how to move through the fear, the anxiety, the orphan mentality of, I gotta take care of this. 
It says there is no fear in love. Why? Because perfect love drives out fear. Why? Because fear has to do with punishment. Let me get you guys to flip your notes page over. And we're going to talk about that word punishment real quick. The Greek word is kolossus. And it has this idea of suspicion and dread. Like, almost torment. Like, something bad hasn't happened yet, but it's gonna. Do you guys understand what I'm talking about? Like, the, the bad thing that I expect to happen is gonna happen. The next shoe is gonna drop. Nothing is secure. Nothing is safe. For the orphan, it feels like this family is gonna be done with me soon. God may not come through me this time. That person who wants to be my friend probably doesn't really want to be my friend. It's the backpack again. The backpack represents suspicion and fear. It's that moment where everything changes. So here's my question. Bad things do actually happen. So why isn't it a little bit reasonable to live in the orphan mentality? Right? I mean, that thing did happen to us in this world. Suffering happens to all of us. The answer, you guys, the answer is relationship. The answer is relationship. We can't have a relationship with God, and we can't have a relationship with others if we live in suspicion and dread all our lives. Suffering does not disturb relationship when it is a securely attached relationship. In fact, when there is trust between people, you find out that you can lean more intentionally on them in hard times. Right? It's the same with God. I know from my own life, I have experienced him the most in my most difficult times in my life. And I know now, on the other side of those hard times, who he is. And he is the solid rock beneath my feet. And I can like, stand up here and not just say religious words to you guys. Like He is the solid rock beneath my feet, no matter what my circumstances are. Living in the orphan mentality keeps us from experiencing the peace that God promises to his people. And it keeps us from engaging with people to find that healthy relationship that we all crave, we all want. Here's something I want you guys to think about. Jesus suffered. There's like this American mentality that says, it's prosperity gospel basically, but we don't call it the gospel, it's just the American dream. Like, if my life doesn't have X, Y, and Z, if my life has suffering in it, then God is not good. But God himself suffered. Was God the Father good to Jesus? But suffering was a part of the plan from the very beginning for the life of Christ. Therefore, suffering cannot have anything to do with the goodness of God, nor is it the final answer to the story of the people of God. It's not the final answer. Suffering may be a part of our life for a time, but it is not the whole of our life and is not the end of our story. Jesus not only trusted his father in his suffering, he also had 12 besties that he traveled around with, right? Not only did he have 12, he had a relationship with the one that he knew would eventually betray him. Now, I'm not advocating that you guys all go out and find people to betray you. 
That is not what I'm saying here tonight. But what I am saying is, is that Jesus trusted his father to that extent. And it didn't keep him from relationship with the people around him. In fact, he had a wider circle that included many women, Mary and Martha, Joanna, I think Susanna. There were several women that traveled with him. And he loved his mother and his siblings as well. And took care of his mother from the cross. So what can we gain? What can we glean from what we just talked about? That relationship is more important than circumstance. Right? The orphan mentality wants to keep us isolated and alone. But security, sonship, daughtership, adoption, safety, and relationship is what helps us to move through the suffering that all of us are going to experience. I want to just pull out some things that living in the orphan mentality practically cause. It, it causes us to push away from people and relationships. There's this thought process of, I have to end relationships before that person can end me and hurt me. So I have to push away, either distance myself or just cut it off before they get too close and they see all the things that are inside. Or overreacting to normal life stresses because you're not processing what's actually happening appropriately. Like little baby M, she lost her mind when her mom packed her bag for daycare. Not because of what was actually happening, right? What was actually happening is she was just going to daycare. But that triggered something for her that called back to something that had happened in her past and she wasn't processing normally what was actually happening. Same thing with the hotel. They were going on vacation as a family and they got to the hotel and she was triggered to go back to where she was before and not processing what was actually happening in the here and now. So overreacting to normal life stresses. Secondly, needing constant reassurance because you lack internal safety. So asking the people around you, do you like me, am I okay, are we okay, are you good, are we good? There's nothing wrong with asking the questions if you need to ask them, but if you're asking them all the time, there's a fear happening. There's a lack of safety feel, being felt in the relationship. Over-independence. This one is so me, you guys, and a hard time asking for and receiving help. Yes, this is, this is me, myself, and I. Hello, my name is Crystal. <laughs> Over-independence. Feeling like, I used to be, I will say, God has brought me on a journey of healing and vulnerability. And here's, here's why we're over-independent. We don't like to be vulnerable. It feels vulnerable to say, I have a need and will you help me? So I've come a ways. I'm sure I have a ways to go still, but I've come a ways in this. Um, but not letting anybody in to receive help is also a wall that keeps your relationship out here. An inability to believe that God loves me personally, although I can believe that God loves everybody else. And the last one is, um, it can create poor self-esteem or self-hatred. Because when you internalize the message of the orphan, it internalizes this message that there's something wrong with me. And that goes straight to identity. So instead of being a loved and chosen, wanted and secure child, I am an orphan, unlovable and unwanted. Do you guys see why the enemy wants us to believe that we're orphans? 
Do you see why he wants us to live out of that identity? So here's the good news. If you just felt like I was reading your life off my page, you're not stuck. You don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay there emotionally or mentally. We're going to talk a lot about choices and actions in this series. Because identity is intentional. We do not have to sit in our emotions and believe them. We don't. We don't have to sit in what the enemy tells us to fear and believe it. We don't. In fact, we're called to more. Choosing healing from insecurity is intentional. And if you belong to Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to renew your mind. Romans 12 says what? Renew your mind. Why does it tell us to renew our mind if we can't renew our mind, guys? Why would God tell us to do something that we actually can't do? He doesn't play tricks like that. Renewing your mind is possible. Science tells us it's possible, right? Healing from trauma is possible. I know people who have done it. I have done it. Healing is possible. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. So not only that, it means that we don't have to be the victim of the thought spirals when they happen. The backpack can just be a backpack. It can. It can stop representing every bad thing, and you and I can stop living in dread and suspicion of the next thing to happen. Does anybody want to not live in fear anymore? Like, yes. Yes. Here's the thing, guys. We have to choose it. We have to do it. We have to choose it. Moving out of emotions is not about changing the emotion. It's about the action that we take. And that's the secret. So a couple more thoughts. The scripture tells us to take our thoughts captive to Christ. It's again talking about the renewal. And it's a process. So I want to encourage you. You're not going to go from orphan and fear to safe and secure child in a week. It's not going to happen in a week. It's going to happen several weeks, several months, maybe several years. But the more that you walk out the actions, the more that you do the things that we're called to do, the more your mindset will change. And for me, that feels like freedom. Because like, if you've been stuck in emotional spirals forever and for a really long time, it can feel almost impossible to get out of those, right? Am I right? Yeah, it feels almost impossible. So here's the thing, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about that you the spiral. Do the action, whether you feel like it or not. Do the action, whether it feels true or not. Do it anyway, and keep doing it, and do it again, and do it some more. And when you're tired of doing it, do it again. Because it's that behavior and the obedience that propels the change. You will go from orphan to daughter, from fear and anxiety to security and love. The Holy Spirit will help us. So let's just look at 1 John 4 one more time. We're going to finish it in verse 19. It says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There's a truth hidden in there. It's dealing with that triangle relationship again. God, us, God, me, and others. But if God loves me, then I also have to love me. It deals straight with the identity of self-hatred, guys. 
If God loves me, that's the truth. I am lovable. I have to love you too. And the enemy doesn't want us to think that we're lovable. He doesn't want us to think that we can move in that love and in that security. So we're going to go to five. I'm going to give you five steps. Normally, I wouldn't give you a formula and say do this, but I'm going to give you a formula if you do this. Oh, did you? Oh, you filled in your own links? Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, you can write underneath it, guys. What was the question? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. Slow down, guys. My table watches win, y'all. I was like, oh, All right, guys. We're going to go with the five steps. The first one is, what is true? What is true? Before you do anything else, you need to remember what is true. When you're in that thought spiral, whatever that looks like for you, what is true? God loves you. You are lovable. You can love others. You are safe and secure. That is the true, true thing that we're going to rely on. So it's an immediate decision to not believe. You can feel fear, right? You can feel insecure, but I'm not going to believe that that is the truth about me. When you catch yourself in the spiral, it doesn't matter if you catch it at the beginning, the middle, or the end. Start somewhere. Okay? What is true? Number two, find a scripture that speaks directly to the fear spirals. Whatever your thought loop has to do with. If it has to do with relationships, I am insecure in this relationship because X, Y, or Z. If it has to do with self-worth, if it has to do with identity, whatever the thing is, whatever the spiral is in your head, find a scripture that speaks directly to that fear. And here's the thing, guys. I love y'all. Y'all know exactly what you think about when you're in those thought loops. You know exactly what you're thinking about. I know exactly what I'm thinking about. And sometimes I sit across and talk to people and I ask what the thought loop is about and they're like, I don't know. Girl, you know. <laughs> we all know. We may not want to say it, and that's okay. But we know. So here's the thing. There is it's, there's a word in the scripture for every single thought process and fear that you have. Find a scripture. Memorize that scripture. There was a time period where I was dealing with anger. I would be quick to anger, especially when I felt um, unjustly hurt or someone else was unjustly hurt. And so I memorized the scripture in Hebrews, I think it is, that says, the anger of man does not create the righteousness of God. It doesn't matter if you remember the reference, just remember the words. And so when I would start to feel that anger rise, like anger of man does not create the righteousness of God, but for walk, anger of man. 
use the word, the word is living and active and powerful, and it will change your mind. It will renew your mind. Pray to yourself. We pray a lot for other people, but we don't pray for ourselves. Pray for yourself. You're worth it. Out loud if you need to, internally if you need to, pray all the time. If this is an active fight for you, and you feel stuck in your identity, you feel stuck in fear loops, pray for yourself. Be crazy about it. Not too crazy. I might bail you out if I need to, but like I don't want to, you know? Pray for yourself. And then number five, act and behave in ways that are contrary to the fear. If the fear is telling you, don't engage in community, they don't want you. Engage in community. Engage in it whether you're scared to death or not. If the fear is telling you, I don't know, um, don't open your Bible because God is really disappointed in your behavior this week. Open your Bible. Do it anyway. If the fear is telling you, you're never gonna get through this. You're never gonna change, it's been too long. Pray for yourself and do the next right thing. We have to act differently than what our fear is telling us to do or we will never move forward. And God wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live as a child that is loved and accepted and secure. Secure children don't freak out when their parents take them on vacation. Why? Because they know that their parent will take them and they will leave with them. And they're not gonna leave the family relationship. That relationship is secure. That identity of a child is secure. So that's our next fill in the blank, you guys. Identity is what every action and reaction grows out of. second one is, in Christ, you're a beloved child of God, accepted, wanted, and never alone. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, whatever your them is. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What does that scripture say about how God is going to be with us? Is he going to leave us? Is he going to be like, she did it today, I'm done? No. Is he going to forsake you when you're walking through that hard, difficult thing? Doesn't mean you won't have to walk through the hard, difficult thing, but is he going to leave you by yourself? He's not. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Guys, here's the truth. We will walk through the darkest valleys. We will. The American dream is a lie. The prosperity gospel is a lie. We will walk through the darkest valley, but we will not fear. Why? 
because our relationship with our maker is secure. Our future is secure. Our future is not this world. It is not what's happening right now. Our future is made secure in Christ in the things to come. So here are my questions for us. It is eight o'clock. We're gonna to go to about 8.25 and then I'm gonna come back up and close with some prayer. A couple questions on your, on your paper. What is your backpack? Is there a fear or a series of fears that are holding you back in your relationship with God or others? Question two, can you commit to the steps to confronting the fears and walking in a new identity? Because here's the thing, guys. Most of the things that the enemy will use fear to make us afraid of are not a big deal. They're just stuff. They're just backpacks. But if the enemy can make a backpack into a monster that keeps you from moving in your relationship with God, he will try. In this community, we want to be a safe space. So we ask that if something is shared at the table, it stays at the table, and that those things are not shared unless you have someone's permission to share the story, okay? Go ahead and share, and we will be back in about 30 minutes.